Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Bastion Booger's Banana Handler. And I am the Fluffer Nutter. <laughs> I knew. I teased it. I was like, Matt, it's been a while. We are a little off schedule. We watched these shows a while ago. I'm going to let it out there. But a little bit. I didn't remember my, my nickname. And I was yeah. like, this is a good one. This is going to be a good one. <laughs> Yeah, for, for those of you listening that don't live in Oklahoma City, uh, we've been bitch slapped by Mother Nature, so... Oh, yeah, I mean, the whole world got snowed, so True. Yeah, we got some snow, too. Yeah, it was great, so... Yeah. But it's all right, you're still here in these it's weeks. It's been a few weeks, Let's see if we can remember how to do this thing. Welcome to episode 106, <laughs> Survivor Series 1993. The Thanksgiving tradition, all Americans... Slash... Foreign fanatics wait for... Hey, we did it. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> there was an exclamation point. There's, yeah, I know. I had, it's hard to... You win eclipses. There's no there's and. Exclamation I know. <laughs> I'm the ellipses kid. That's a better name than fashion Booger's <laughs> Banana Hammock or whatever handler. it was. Banana Handler. <laughs> <laughs> this is the seventh annual Survivor Series produced by the WWF. It would take place on Thanksgiving Eve, November 24th, 1993, at the Boston Garden in Boston, Massachusetts, with an attendance of 15,509 people. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, y'all. It's a good number, dog. This is uh, the Boston Garden. This is like where the Celtics play, right? Celtics yeah. play, Bruins play. Yeah, I love the, uh, I don't know what it's called, but the, 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 the way the wood is set up in a Celtics uh, basketball. It looks cool. The, like, the... They do have one of the best courts. Like yeah, their court, court looks okay. it looks awesome. The way that the like wood is laid out. Yeah, it's like a weird design, and it's always very memorable. I assume it's still like that. Well, they're in the TD Gardens now, so I think it's a different yeah place. But maybe I think it's a new arena, but they, but, yeah, but but they still lay it out like the old school. Okay, yeah. that's cool. That's good to know. Hmm. Never been there. I uh, mean, neither. My dad's from Massachusetts, so I've. Seen a lot of these games on television as a kid, but I'm, you know, I don't really keep up with any uh, real sports. <laughs> uh, Boston's one place I've always wanted to go to, but still haven't made it's it. It's a great town. Yeah. I've been there twice. I wanna, I wanna go and you know, if I went there, I was like, talk the car and yard and ask somebody how they like them apples and yeah. got to go down to Yaki Way and watch a Red Sox game. Sacks. I got family from yeah, there, but hey. only been there as like a three. Shout out to my boy CT from uh, MTV. He's from he's a Boston boy. Maybe I can run into him. Tina, if you're listening, I need to I, I need to find out how to this. to meet CT. Tina's my friend from high school. She was on uh, Real okay. World Road Rules Challenge uh, back in the day. Oh, like your real friend from high school? Yeah, was on Road Rules. That's cool. Yeah, I auditioned for Real World. She auditioned for Road Rules a couple of years later, and she made it. Mm. I did not. Do you get paid? I mean, I guess you gotta get paid, for that, right? Yeah, I mean, you, she's she's got an IMDb, so I mean, she got paid something, got something from MTV. <laughs> but we're in Boston. And yes, that means are. that Shane brought us something delicious, mm. or at least I hope he did. 
He did. Uh, it was a first time for Shane with this uh, specific treat. So yeah, continuing on with the culinary trip around the world, landing once again in Boston. Uh, the last time we were there, it was the crab cake, right? Was that the last time? Was that, that Boston? Baltimore? That was Baltimore, that's right. Is this our first time in Boston? It might be. Ooh. So yeah, maybe I haven't done anything from Boston yet, and I thought I did. I'll say chances are uh, WCW didn't make her way up there. Yeah, I doubt it. So, you know, as I do, I uh, look up sandwiches from around the globe, what represents what state uh, or area that we happen to be in. So I looked up the official sandwich of Massachusetts, and it is the Fluffernutter. Fluffernutter, if you've never had it, it's a, a simple sandwich of nice fluffy bread with uh, marshmallow cream and peanut butter spread in between, kind of like a peanut butter and jelly, just... Even replacing the jelly sport. with marshmallow. Mm-hmm. It's like the candy bar of uh, sandwiches. Oh, yeah. So, you know, what did I decide to do to elevate it just a, a little bit? I put some sliced bananas inside of there and then grilled it up like a, a, a grilled cheese sandwich in a way. Uh, so you had this nice little buttery, toasty bread with all this ooey, gooey deliciousness inside. Did you handle the bananas that he put in the sandwich? No. He's not Bastion Booger. These were not Bastion oh, Booger's okay. bananas. No. Good deal. Good deal. <laughs> So this is like the uh, the a, a New England king. Yes. Added the uh, fattened up, sizzled in a pan. I used a chunky peanut butter instead of creamy because you got to have that crunch. Otherwise, this thing would just slide apart like a yeah. like an ice cream sandwich in like a hundred degree weather. And hell, once once this hit the pan, anyways, it was already starting to slide <laughs> because everything got ooey gooey and started melting. Mine had a nice little crispy piece of. Uh, burnt marshmallow fluff on the edge there oh, for a nice. so that was a nice little added bonus but yeah delicious not necessarily nutritious uh i believe it's actually at one point uh, almost been outlawed as the official sandwich <laughs> just because of how bad how it is, bad it is for you. yeah it's yeah. like if you uh send your kid to school with one of these every day for lunch you'll They'll probably like child protective service will probably show up and be like you can't just feed your kid sugar every day <laughs> Give this kid a grape. Yeah. They do it on their own, that's one thing, but you know, you shouldn't <laughs> suggest it nutters. to them until they're at least, you know, pushing 40, trying to fit into wrestling t-shirts. <laughs> but yeah, it's delicious if you've never had one. This was actually my first one ever, so enjoy. It's not going to crunch because it's been sitting here for a few, but it's fucking but, delicious. But it's time to eat on Mike. Uh-huh. <laughs> While he's chopping away on that, something that happened right around the same time as Survivor Series... The song that would make the signature sound of the Batabi Brothers, a.k.a. the Roxbury Guys, oh, yeah. would be released on Hathaway's debut album, What Is Love? I didn't realize this song was as early as 93. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, that skit is, like, from, like, 96, 97, maybe even later, and then the movie's, like, 99 or some shit. Yeah. Emilio! You seen the movie, right? Yeah, I've yeah, seen the movie. That's the best joke in the movie. Because they do <laughs> hey, it like five times. There is a best joke in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I thought I liked that movie uh, as a kid. It's a great skit because the skit's like just uh, something that a thirteen-year-old boy would find funny, which is they're just sexually assaulting women by humping them in the club, <laughs> which like totally not cool. But uh, you know, it's they're supposed to be harmless. They're basically thirteen-year-old men in. 13-year-old boys in the body of a man, which I mean, Chris Kattan still is. It's definitely not my 
favorite SNL movie. No. By any no. Means. No way. We've got It's Pat out there. Mm, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I truly do love It's Pat. I'm in Ween. But I think that's one of the ones that people have seen the least Chris. is It's Pat. <laughs> But, you know, of I course, know. Like see, Wayne's uh, World, Blues Brothers, there's some true gems out there. Stewart Saves His Family? I don't remember that one particularly well, but I so know... I worked at Blockbuster when I've that one came it. out, so, yeah. yeah, it was Stuart Smalley. The Ladies' Man is kind of underrated. That movie's very Ladies funny. Man it's really funny. Great. It's a lot funnier than Tim I think Meadows people remember. Tim is so underrated yeah. in oh, everything definitely. that he does. I think, like, everybody likes him, and everybody... Loves it when likes it when he shows up, but then as soon as like he's off screen, everybody just forgets about him. I like I don't and I don't know why, because like you know, he's he's always good, and it's he's not like maybe it's because he's too normal looking. Whereas Chris Kattan is memorable because he's annoying and he looks like the monkey that he played in most of his <laughs> skits. Whereas you know Tim Meadows just looks like a nice like averagely handsome guy, but he happens to be very funny. Agreed. And Will Ferrell looks like a big goof and is loud. Is that Will Ferrell's first movie? Probably first one where he's like the, above the title where it says like Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan or whatever. I'm trying to remember. He may have done others like smaller like roles, but this is like a, a co-starring role. Like they Superstar both... may have been before that. But I mean, that Maybe. wasn't his oh, technical starring role. He was supporting yeah. character. Yeah, that was back in the day when like literally every skit on SNL that became somewhat popular, they were like, oh, movie time. Yep, yep. which meant uh, I was going to see it. <laughs> yep. Because that was definitely that was definitely my era. Um, yeah, this is the kind of movie I watched as a kid. Was like only PG thirteen comedies for like ever. It's like all I had any interest in as a kid for a very long time. I'm so surprised like Canteen Boy didn't get a a movie or <laughs> I would love Hans to watch Franz. a Canteen Boy movie. I was gonna say that like the skit. Of the Batavia, of the Roxbury. Yeah. I think it and McGruber are tied for the best skit on SNL that did not translate into a good movie. People love McGruber, but I didn't like the movie. I did not like the movie. But people, at all. T- people always tell me how much they love it and how great it is. And I watched it and I just, it did nothing for me. I love the skit. It was like my favorite skit yeah. on SNL. But see, it was perfect because it was, you know, a three-minute, five-minute skit, whatever. It's like, it was yeah, done. you get the situation. I don't know how they could do yeah. that in a... Situation payoff or whatever, and it's like, it works because you're just condensing MacGyver thing. Where it's like, oh, MacGyver is like, you know, well, no. 30 minutes or maybe 45. I don't remember how long it was, but yeah, you always MacGyver know that you got show. to the part where the where the cool thing happened. Uh, and this skit was just the cool thing, but we're going to make it a joke. Yeah. So what is love? Don't hurt me. <laughs> Maybe. Don't hurt me. Well, hopefully Survivor Series won't hurt us as we start talking about it. You never know. We get Lex Luger, along with his two kids and his wife, telling everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Yes, I love their outfits. They are also cute. Quintessential 90s family yeah. like postcard. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's got a sweater on. Painfully cheesy. Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. We get the national anthem. I have no clue who sang it. Did anyone else get this person's name? Uh, it's I don't know who it is, but it's bad. Yeah, it was not good at all. They should have got they're in they're in uh, Boston. They should have got Gary Portnoy, right? <laughs> Cheers is still huge at this point in time. Yeah, I'm like I, I was trying to see if <laughs> they I like wrote celebrities. Name. I just have who's the singing guy. I and couldn't I couldn't find his name. Cream cheese, Lex, and family. 
progress. We then get animation of a construction site before going to the logo. Welcome. And Vince McMahon welcomes us to the show. We get Bobby the Brain Heenan joining him on commentary. And then Bobby discusses that you have to work together in these Survivor Series matches to win. And everyone has a big ego in the back. And then Vince points out JR and Gorilla behind them on Radio WWF. I know, didn't your heart crack to know that Bobby and Gorilla were that close to each other? <laughs> and like, not behind the same, not at the same desk? Like, yeah. <sighs> but we get our first match. Team IRS of Erwin R. Scheister, Diesel, the model Rick Martell, and Adam Bomb with Harvey Whippleman versus Team Razor of 123Kid, Marty Jannetty, Razor Ramon, and a mystery partner. Question mark. Hmm. It's crazy IRS is his own team leader. Taxes are good this year. <laughs> IRS takes the mic, makes a tax bun, because that's what he does. Yes, of course. And if you noticed, Razor Ramon had the Intercontinental Championship around his waist. Up with that. And the last time we had seen that belt, Shawn Michaels was defending it. But Shawn had failed to defend it within 30 days. Oh, back when they did that. So he was stripped of the title. Oh. Was he being a bad boy? Uh, yes. He gave he it up to basically the bad guy? got accused of steroid use and got suspended. And they put it on Razor. Well, Razor. A much bigger man. Razor would win a tournament that they would have beating Martell in the finals for the IC championship. That's cool. I like that. That, sounds like a, that sounds like a potentially uh, fun match. Probably could be. It was, uh, I believe it was on a Raw. Yeah. I'm trying it. to remember. A very handsome match. Big and burly. <laughs> Strong chins. That's right. Ramon then takes the mic and he says... I'm going to tell you about my partner, Perfecto. Because Mr. Perfect was supposed to be on this team. Oh, that's right. He was. But Perfect had quit the week before. And they hadn't announced yet who would be on the show taking his place. Like, he for real quit? He was like, yo, y'all been jobbing me for days. There was Years some, even. Basically, there were some issues in the back. And yeah. he just walked out. So. Screw you guys. He tried to stab Arn Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Ramon continued with, he's such a perfect partner that he tagged out before the match started. But I got a treat for you. This guy, he's got as much machismo as me. The one, the only, and the macho man Randy Savage comes out. What a way to start a show. Also, you guys see that Marty got uh, Max Moon's old gear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, what do you, Marty? Always with the weirdest gear. Hey, it was the nineties. Yeah, but not every everyone else looks so much uh, better. So we have seen Adam Bomb before as the Night Stalker back at Starcade nineteen ninety one. That was episode sixty four. Such an unfortunate name, considering well, like what we all uh, know about the Night Stalker. Uh, you know the serial. I don't even want to say it. (laughs) It's upsetting. We hadn't seen Macho Man in the ring or Martell since the Royal Rumble 93, which was episode 86. And this is Diesel's WWF 
in-ring debut. He was just uh, being a big bodyguard before yeah. this. So his career kind of started going upwards because Sean got suspended. So because they had to do something with him. Put him in there. He's big. There, Sean. So we get Razor. If Dan Spivey can get in the ring, might as well throw give Diesel a chance. Might as well. So Razor and the model started off with shoves and slaps before the two trade hammerlocks until Martel leaps up and off a turnbuckle with a crossbody, only for Ramon to roll on top for a two count. Razor follows with a fallaway slam for a two count as well and then hits a pair of atomic drops and multiple clotheslines. Adam Bomb comes in with his crazy yellow-green eyes, shoving Ramon to the mat several times, and they go to a test of strength. Ooh, the test of strength. The Boston crowd is, so is laid up. Maybe it's because Macho Man just came out, but, you know, they're they're ready to, they're ready to go. Uh, if you looked into Adam Bomb's eyes, that could trip out an entire... <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all, they're all hypnotized. People. Razor escapes by hitting a back body drop, makes the cover bringing Martel in with an elbow drop, only for Ramon to move, so the model hits Adam Bomb. This brings Harvey Whippleman into the ring, shoving Martel, so the model shoves back, and all of Team IRS starts arguing with each other, with IRS as the calming voice in the group. Must have been all that training as a naval captain. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can get you, um, oh, what's, what's the word when they look through your taxes? Tax break. Audited. I can get you audited. Oh my god. It's been a while, guys. I, I might forget words when I try to make jokes. <laughs> One, two, three, kid trying to match up with Adam Bomb, trying for a sunset flip, only for Adam to just choke him high up into the air, followed by Diesel coming in to toss him around the ring, hitting a gut wrench powerbomb, a big boot, and goes for another slam. But the kid turns it into a head scissors and makes it to the corner for the Hot tag. Macho Man comes in off the top rope with a double axe handle, uh. knocks Adam off the apron with an elbow, a back elbow to IRS, body slam on the model, atomic drop on Shyster, sending him into Martel to knock them both from the ring. Bomb has made his way back into the ring, but Savage reverses an Irish whip to send him into Diesel, following with a running knee to the back of Adam Bomb to send him out of the ring. Hits a body slam on Diesel, and then the savage elbow from the top rope for the pin, and Diesel is eliminated. Ah, Macho Man coming in here hot, doing all the stuff. Later, Big Daddy. Who's to say he shouldn't He shouldn't have just been staying in this ring, guys? Should have. Martell attacks Macho from behind, only for Savage to hit a back body drop and slam the model's head into a turnbuckle before tossing Martell to his corner to bring in IRS. Shyster gains control with a knee lift and a head slam into a turnbuckle, only for Macho to hit a crossbody for a two count, followed by multiple clotheslines. Razor's in to work the arm of IRS, but is tossed off to the ropes, where the model gets a knee into his back from the apron. Martel then comes in with a double axe handle and a backbreaker. Team IRS is working well with quick tags, keeping control of Razor, until Shyster runs into a big boot in the corner allowing Ramon to make a tag to Savage. They, they tried to chop that tree down. Running knee to IRS, descending to the corner. Rubber band slam and a body slam when Crush comes walking down to the ring. <laughs> Macho goes up to the top rope. We're still trying to make Crush happen. 
And I actually, <laughs> I absolutely love the shot that they had on the screen because it's you see Savage on the ropes. Yes. On the screen, it's like our behind Crush walking down. It looks awesome. It's very cinematic. So you can see Macho's like sees Crush, but you're watching Crush walk down. And this is like the our pre like Titan Tron. Like it's the series of screens together. Yeah. That incredible look from the 90s where it's yep. like it, yeah like the Stack fucking mo- like movie blank check or some shit where it's just like oh it's i always like seeing that it's a fun aesthetic i always wanted that for like my house I oh just yeah. have a wall of tvs I think where they were all moved. everybody every kid in the 90s was like yes <laughs> we could put them all on different stuff we could just watch something really big but yeah and now you can get a very large tv for like 80 dollars Randy jumps down from the ropes and goes to confront him, but his teammates remind him that there's still a match going on. Don't don't get counted out, Mach. We need you. So Crush had attacked Savage on an episode of Raw because he was encouraged to enter the Body Slam Challenge to try and body slam Yokozuna earlier in the year, when, which Crush would hurt himself doing. Most men would. Yeah. And while he was out hurt, Macho never checked up on him. Oh my gosh. He was busy. What a prick. Didn't even check up on a guy you weren't even friends with. So Crush. I mean, you should visit your friend in the hospital. So Crush would allow himself. Maybe they weren't back in the front. <laughs> Shane's like, I'm not going to the hospital. What we'll call you. Send you a text message. Send you flowers. So Crush would also align himself with Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji as he, when he came back. Randy gets back in the ring, but he's still very distracted, not paying attention to IRS cradles him up for the pin. A macho man, Randy Savage, is eliminated. Crush heads back to the locker room with Savage running after him. Marty finally joins the match, hitting IRS with a hip toss and a drop kick. But Janetti gets caught in the wrong corner, allowing Adam Bomb to come in with a back suplex and chokes. Martell applies an ab stretch using Adam as leverage. And I literally was like, I can't believe Shyster gave up one of his signature moves. (laughs) Uh, The app stretch. The signature move of... Is that our signature move of 93? Or was that previous years? Or is it just lingering? It's just lingering. (laughs) The model charges in after an Irish whip, but Marty moves, sending Martell into the ring post, which brings in both Razor and IRS. Ramon with right hands on Shyster, hard Irish whips to the corner, Followed by a choke slam and the razor's edge for the pin. And IRS is eliminated. Martell attacks from behind, which brings in everybody for a Pier 6 brawl. During the melee, Ramon goes for another razor's edge on the model, only for Shyster to sneak back into the ring with his briefcase, nailing Ramon across the chest with it, sending him out to the floor where he is counted out. And Razor Ramon is eliminated. Iris uh, has a little bit of shoot blood on him, doesn't he? Probably. I can't remember. <laughs> One, two, three, Kid and Martell show off their athleticism until the kid hits a Japanese arm drag. But the model is able to make the tag to Atom Bomb, only for the kid to drop kicking to the floor off of a press slam attempt. We get the one, two, three chant, and Bobby finds it amazing that the people of Boston can count to three. <laughs> <laughs> One two three is just a great, a, such a great chant. I know that the one two three kid is probably not the most fun name to have for old Sean Waltman at this point in time, but like one two three is a just a really great chant. 
I don't know why, but with as much recognition as he was getting at this time, they shouldn't whatever yeah, no, the hell they want. Yeah, no room to complain. Yeah, you're not Bastion Jets. Booger, and uh, that's a good thing for you you're and not, everyone. You're not Adam Bomb. Yeah, exactly. One Two Three Kid's a much better name than Adam Bomb. Uh, one Two Three Kid is better than Crush. <laughs> yeah. Better than Tatanka. <laughs> Eric Tatanka's Watts. A, okay. Charlie <laughs> Norris. <laughs> oh, old Charlie Norris. <laughs> One, two, three goes for a suicide dive, only to be caught by Adam and body slams him on the floor. Rolls the kid back in, following with a slingshot clothesline, but misses a corner charge and one, two, three cradles him up for a near fall. The kid starts kicking away, only to be caught by Adam again, but one, two, three hits a desperation in Siguri. Adam Bomb stops the kid from tagging, so Martel comes in with an elbow drop, a gut wrench suplex for a two count. The model then comes off the second rope, only for one, two, three to catch him in the gut. Make it to the corner for the hot tag. Gut Gen- for a gut. Janetti's in with right hands, a back elbow, knee lift, hard Irish whip, and head slams into the turnbuckle. Hits a snapmare and gets a two count, followed by a double team back elbow on Martel. The model reverses an Irish whip from the kid, charging in only for 1-2-3 to leap up and roll up Martell for the pin. And the model, Rick Martell, is eliminated. Adam Bomb then charges in, right as the kid makes the tag to Marty, who leaps into the ring with a sunset flip for the pin and the win. The crowd goes, legitimately goes wild. I mean, the two under, the two small guys just work together fast and hard to take down... Like some guy named Adam Bomb. Yeah. Big, tall. Some big, big guy named Adam Bomb. Green eyed, glowing dude. Yeah, this is a really great first match. It's like, okay. Off to a hot start. Yeah, you got people that are on the come up, like one, two, three, your underdog, and then you get Pop from Macho being a mystery partner. Like, solid Survivor Series match. Got the debut match of Diesel. Oh, yeah. Can't go wrong. Very noteworthy match. Mm hmm. We then go to the back, and Todd Pettengill is there with Shawn Michaels. Hey there, buddy. And Shawn has been reinstated, and Todd calls him the former IC champ. But he still has the belt, right? But Michaels reveals that he still has the belt, saying he is the undisputed champion. Pettengill would then send us to footage of Ray Combs and the Hart family earlier in the day, where we see Brett, Owen, Stu, Keith, and Bruce chatting away. Basically saying, we're going to win. Yeah. Yay. Yo, fuck you, dog. They don't care about the Knights. They care about Sean. Yeah. That's right. Sean said mean things about their mom and dad. And Combs obviously has to make a Family Feud reference saying, Survey says this is a match you don't want to miss. (sighs) Survey says get out of here. I'm sure Family Feud was huge at the time, whatever, but... It's like, bring back Regis. Yeah. We Ray, didn't go Ray Combs, <laughs> Coke Cabot was a whole lot huger than Family Feud was. At yeah, the time. so he fit he, yeah, he fit, fit in in the back with the boys better than Regis did, probably. We then go back to Michaels and Todd, and Sean continues to make fun of Brett and his family. So we're headed off to our second match. Sean Michaels and his knights of Blue, Red, and Black Knight versus the Hart family of Brett, Owen, Keith and Bruce Hart with Stu Hart in their corner. 
So Ray Combs does the ring announcing, makes some more bad Family Feud jokes. Mm-hmm. Not even, they're not even noteworthy, no. bad. They're just Talking like about Shawn Michaels. Dry like as toast. Vince McMahon humor. But not even good Vince Yeah, McMahon I mean, at humor. least Vince McMahon humor, like, it gets, like, childly gross sometimes, which is at least kind of funny, because it's just like, oh my gosh, this is <laughs> ridiculous. This is just, like, some dry-ass shit. The entire Hart family seems to be there, because there's two sisters, moms in the crowd, two more brothers are in the crowd. I mean, I think there was seven kids, weren't there? So that would make all of them. Yeah, I thought there was like 12 of them. Maybe there's 12. I don't know. (laughs) There's a lot of insults. But there's a lot. Trying to remember the joke that was said once about Brett was, or was it Owen? I think Bobby had said something about one of them was the 13th of 12 kids or something like that. (laughs) There was the Shawn Michaels. Your mom's so ugly that it takes, uh, that Bigfoot takes photos of her. Which is like the kind of dry, shitty joke. And I was like, one of the better ones. She's got corrective hose on, on the wrong feet. Yeah, like it's <laughs> really bad. It takes uh, Stu Hart two hours to watch 60 Minutes. Yeah, it's like, because he's so old. It's just like, I mean, yeah, it's funny if you've ever heard the man talk, but like, <laughs> that's different than watching something. It doesn't, yeah. The jokes are bad. So this match was originally supposed to be Jerry Lawler. And not Shawn Michaels. Well, that sounds great. I mean, which, but I mean, Shawn Michaels is obviously... Which would actually make more sense with the Knights, because, you know, Lawler's the king. Yes, and I think Lawler is more... I feel like this kind of thing, Lawler would have pulled off better than Shawn, as far as, like, the talking shit out of the family, and yeah. being the... Shawn Michaels is a different kind of prick. Yeah, I mean, storyline-wise... So where's he at? Breton and... Jerry had had this, or not just Brett and Jerry, but the, the, the entire family. family. Yeah, yeah. They had this big feud going on where we had Jerry would go out there weekly thing. and just trash the Hart family. He he did what you would expect Shawn Michaels to do, but he took it to the, all right, this is just getting almost borderline offensive extreme. Yeah, the way that only Jerry, not only, but like the way that, what, what he's good for. So the reason Jerry Lawler's not there is because if you remember back in 1993, WWF was going through the steroid trials right around this time. And Jerry Lawler wasn't part of those, but he ran into some... <laughs> if he was, I don't know where he was, where, like, how, where he was administering them. He ran into some other legal issues of his own. Oh, I've heard about some of these. Probably, I don't know if we want to get... This is too heavy. I'm leaving it right at that. <laughs> And so basically, WWF was like, we don't need any more bad press, so we're going to send you home. Yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe we should talk about this later, but it's like, where does everything fall about that? Because I've tried to do research, and it just seems like that there's not as not much information as... Uh... It's probably in the same file as the Snooka stuff. Yeah, but they did a... I, at least the Snooka stuff, I watched the dark side of the ring about it. <laughs> well, who knows what's going to happen in season three. <laughs> Season three is right around the corner. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the, that's a, yeah. I mean, murder, yeah. Uh, the Knights. <laughs> Moving on. The Knights uh, are Greg Valentine. Oh, really? Yeah. Barry Horowitz. Yeah. And Jeff Gaylord. That was the only one I had to look up because I, I couldn't Jeff figure out who the hell Jeff Gaylord Jeff was. Jeff Gaylord, I believe, was in the USWA. He was a Memphis guy, basically. Yeah. Didn't really do. This is his biggest match in his career. Here's, here's yeah, at one my. Point uh, it was rumored that it was Kane. Here's my bad joke. Glenn Jacobs. Yes, it was rumored that it was Glenn Jacobs at one point, but it wasn't. This is my bad joke. Greg Valentine 
Never looked so good. Oh, contraire. <laughs> I was miss me. I've seen old Greg where he shines and looks like he belongs. And, yeah. And then mm-hmm. it's somewhere. It's yeah. It's, I wonder it's if called Medusa like Sensational Sherry promotions. So. No. <laughs> what? Forgot about that part. So I wonder if Medusa and Sensational Sherry think the same. <laughs> but the last time we did see Valentine was Clash Twenty. Episode 75. That might be when Shane's thinking he looked pretty good. Uh, I'm just thinking in WCW, he looked like that was what a was. whole better person. Oh, yeah. He yeah. had a couple matches over there. Yeah. Each of his matches, he just I was like just, fit right in. I was, my, I, was, good old I was calling him ugly. Oh, yeah. That's he's, all. He's That's ugly. all. We love him. He we love mask him. On, so he looks better. We love him as a wrestler. <laughs> I do. That physique, I'm telling you. Yeah, he's a, like a built like a mini fridge. So Sean heads to the outside of the ring and looks to slap one of the older Hart brothers at ringside. And Combs joins Vince and Bobby for commentary. God, I hate his voice. Bruce and Sean start us off, but immediately the Red Knight comes in, only for Bruce to shove Michaels into him. Bruce is boomerang whipped into the Knight's corner, but he delivers a double clothesline on Red and Blue, only for Black to hold on to Bruce, allowing Sean to charge in with a knee. But Bruce moves in time. So the Black Knight gets knocked to the floor. So I've got a quote from Bobby, but I don't know where it's placed at in this match. But <laughs> isn't Bruce a stupid name? Yeah, nine months to come up with the name, and this is the best you can come up with. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ouch. Cl- classic Bobby. Sorry, Bruce. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law, Bruce, if you're listening. <laughs> Keith gets tagged in and starts working the arm of Michaels. Goes for a body slam, only for Sean to float over. Attempt a vertical suplex. But Keith reverses it into an inside cradle for a two count and goes back to the arm. Sean escapes again with a body slam. The Red Knight comes in only to receive an arm drag. Then Owen takes over, giving multiple arm drags as well, while Heenan discusses Owen being in the shadow of Brett his entire career. Foreshadowing. Black Knight comes in to receive some arm drags, goes to tag out, but he goes to the wrong corner getting punched by all the hearts before getting hip-tossed to the correct corner to bring in Blue Knight. It was a true heart attack. Blue goes for a big boot on Brett, only for the hitman to catch his foot, turn him around, and hit an atomic drop, an inverted atomic drop, and a clothesline for a two-count. Keith goes to work on Blue's arm before Bruce takes over, until Sean gets a knee into Bruce's back while running the ropes. Blue with a body slam, Michaels with a backbreaker, multiple elbow drops, Red with a double underhook suplex for a near fall. Bruce blocks a strike from Black, turning him over for a, for a backslide for a two count. But Sean tags in to regain control with a forearm across the back before kicking Bruce out to the floor. Michaels attempts to head slam Bruce into a turnbuckle, only for Bruce to reverse and drag Sean to his own corner for the head slam. But the knights are right there, so Bruce is just tossed back into the ring. Sean misses a back elbow, so Bruce comes back off the ropes with a clothesline, makes the crawl to the corner for the hot tag. Brett comes in with right hands on Black Knight, O'Connor roll for a near fall, and an inside cradle for two. Hitman continues with a backbreaker, a second rope elbow drop, only for Michaels to break up the pin. Owen with a spinning heel kick makes the cover, but Blue breaks up the pin this time and brings in everybody for a Pier 6 brawl, in which the hearts end up tossing the others all into each other, which knocks them all out to the floor except for the Black Knight. Yeah, they do the fun. The old family whip. 
Bruce with an Irish whipped aided clothesline, followed by a top rope Owen missile dropkick for the pin. And Black Knight is eliminated. Thanks, Rocket. Yeah. Red jumps in the ring, only for the Hart family to start working his leg with several wishbones. Leg snaps. Keith goes for a figure four, but is kicked off into the turnbuckle. Red then attempts a knee drop, but Keith moves in time, allowing him to apply that figure four, which an elbow drop from Sean breaks it up. The Knights are now in control, working over Keith's arm with slingshot elbow drops, leg drops, arm bars, wrapping it around a ring post before catapulting him under the bottom rope. Blue continues the attack with a hammerlock slam, leg drop across the throat, Michaels climbs to the top rope and they attempt a rocket launcher, only for Keith to move and make the hot tag. And like, at this point, I'm like, this is kind of long. This is a very like, long match. We're moving through this, but it is not the quickest of, um, it's not the quickest. No. No. With uh, so many mysterious people in the ring, you'd expect that more of them would be eliminated quicker, but... Apparently yeah, not. or they would like make obvious mistakes, even though they're typically pretty big, and they obviously a... know how to work for the most part. In like the Hart family, the guys you haven't seen before are still holding their own. Like everybody looks good, but it's just like, and I didn't know the Jerry Lawler thing, so like the Knights, what are these? Like Shawn Michaels fucking Power Rangers? Like what is the deal here? Brett catches Red Knight on a leapfrog attempt, slams him down, and locks on the sharpshooter for the submission. And Red Knight is eliminated. Uh, bye, Barry. Blue clotheslines the hitman as the bell rings before throwing him out to the announce table. Sean's in with a double axe handle from the apron onto Brett while Owen confronts Blue in the ring. Back in the ring, Blue with a vertical suplex drops an elbow for a two-count. And we see Stu massaging Keith's arm and shoulder while hitman continues to be worked over by Michaels with a jumping back elbow and a chin lock. Stu, Stu Hart is our uh, cut man for the evening. Brett escapes with an elbow, only to run into a knee. And Blue comes in with a headbutt to the gut for a two count. Hate a gut butt. Blue charges into a corner, only to receive a big boot, before the hitman comes off the second rope with a flying clothesline, and then makes a hot tag. Owens in with a drop kick, ten count worth of corner punches, a body slam and a second rope elbow drop on Blue. Sean comes in only to receive a double noggin knocker. Michaels then slides under Owens to the floor and grabs Stu, who then delivers a left hand that knocks Sean silly, followed by Owen coming over the ropes with a pescado. You don't want to shoot on a shooter, man. Back in the ring, Owen and Bruce Irish whip Michaels and the Blue Knight into each other, followed by Owen's coming off the top rope with a crossbody onto Blue. Goes for the cover, but moves right as Sean attempts an elbow drop. Bruce and Owen then hit a double clothesline to send Michaels over to the floor. And Owen hits a face plant and slaps the sharpshooter onto Blue for the submission. Nice little uh, combination to get Blue out of here. So it's four versus Sean. So Michaels acts like he's just going to leave, but the hitman stops him. Tossing him back into the ring. No, nah, dog. You're not calling my mom a whore or whatever. Nah. I mean, they didn't dig it that far, but like, no, no, no sir. No, you don't <laughs> attempt to assault my uh, father and then just walk away with a 10 count. Nobody says that about my mama. 
Owen with an atomic drop into the corner where the rest of the hearts get some licks in. Bruce with knee drops but runs into a back elbow in the corner. This isn't bushwhackers. There's no licks. <laughs> Sean with a super kick gets a near fall but then telegraphs a back body drop allowing Bruce to kick him and make the hot tag. Brett with an atomic drop, catapult into the turnbuckle, and a Russian leg sweep gets a two count. Hitman goes for a backbreaker, only for Michaels to rake the eyes, which Brett sells like his eye has been ripped out. So he tags in Owen. That's shoot, shoot rake. Owen then hits a overhead belly-to-belly for a near fall. Begins to run the ropes, but ends up running into Brett, who's walking across the apron. Because he's blind. Knocking him off onto the guardrail. At least he oversold it for a reason. Owen turns to check what's happening, allowing Sean to roll him up for the pin. And Owen Hart is eliminated. And he is P-I-F-F-E-D, baby. He's yelling at Brett as Bruce checks on him while the brain tosses a water bottle to Sean. <laughs> he's out there by himself, man. He, one, he's out there by himself, and two, he is blown up. Yeah. I mean, he's been... Well, I mean, he only found out about the match like three days before, so... Yeah. <laughs> I just love... I think that if I had a, a bucket list while Bobby the Brain Heenan was still healthy, him throwing me a water bottle might be like... You know, I don't know if a bucket list is like a hundred things. I don't know. I never saw the movie. But if like, you know, hey. 100 would probably be tossed a bottle of water from Bobby Heenan. That just seems is. like it'd be one so of, nice. One of mine would be Mr. Perfect tossing, him, tossing me his towel. How <laughs> you can sell the towel. <laughs> I just want to sell a, a Mr. Perfect towel hey. shop before I die. I've been smacked by the... Uh, that one's still possible. The earpiece of The Miz. If I could get smacked by the flying gum from Mr. Perfect, um, I'd be all for it. Yeah. The towel is so funny. Bruce is in the ring hitting a clothesline and locking on a sleeper but Sean escapes by ramming Bruce into the corner multiple times at least he got to you know be in a sleeper for a little bit that's right maybe uh, take a take a breath or two take that Bruce Michaels and Bruce run into each other for the double KO but Bruce is up first to tag in Keith who applies an ab stretch only for Sean to hip toss out to escape if you guys are uh haven't noticed yet this match is still going on this is about the time uh <laughs> where i'm like i've had enough i know how good this could have been and if we just like shaved five minutes off of it the hitman tags in sending michael's hard into corner several times resulting in sean's version of the flare flip landing on top of the ropes to be kicked and crotched before going for a seesaw ride brett then takes michael's down ride to the, the horse and goes for the sharpshooter Sean escapes out to the floor and back to the locker room to be counted out. So all that for that. Boo this man. Yeah. So Brett, Keith, and Bruce Hart are your survivors. Post-match, Owen comes back out yelling at Brett. Keith and Bruce are trying to calm him down to no avail. And then Owen starts yelling at Stu. Oh my god. What about me? I never get any recognition. He's it's got... always Brett. <laughs> Talk slow. You pulled out the little, the little, the little bro vibes. Helen Hart's crying in the front row as the hitman walks to the back, upset with what just went down. Oh, he looks dejected. Mm-hmm. You got a quote from Bobby in there too about Helen. Oh no, they're gonna repossess my teeth. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Pettengill comes out and he gets a word with Owen in the aisle, but he doesn't want to talk. No. 
It's family business. So the rumor on this is, because, I mean, you probably can tell that Owen's probably headed towards a heel turn of some sort. Mm-hmm. But it was actually going to be Keith originally. Yeah. Well, how dumb is that? Right? Exactly. How hey. dumb is that? That's about as dumb as making this match too long. So, you know, I have to give another well, one of Well, it's dumber than making the match too long, because at least, like, it was long, but you forget how long it was whenever Owen freaks out, and you're like, okay. Like, I just forgot that that was a little too long, because we got this really good payoff really quick. Yeah. yeah. So I have to give another one of my uh, podcast shout-outs to uh, my friend Brett for changing the mind of people. And, Brett Hart? Uh, yeah. Okay. Wasn't he involved in uh, the decision making of? I mean, I'm, Owen? Sure I'm sure. I'm sure he was. But I was just like, yeah. does Bret Hart have of a podcast? <laughs> yeah, I don't just call out to people on podcasts. I call out to people who listen to oh, podcasts. Oh yes, I'm sure that. But Bret I'm pretty Hart, sure Brett does. First, I know he's got some sort. First of one waiting for us to announce a Patreon. It'll never happen. Views from the Hitman or something like that podcast. Mm-hmm. I just want a blog of his drawings that I love so much. Vincent lets us know that JR and Gorilla are going to take over the announcing duties for the next match. And Michael goes wild. <laughs> and we go to the aisle again. Todd's still there, hoping to get more info about the heart situation. And it cuts back to everyone changing seats to call the next match, the, the announced crews. When Gorilla grabs Bobby, acts like he's going to punch him. Yeah, it's amazing. But Monsoon decides it's not worth it. I know, and my heart grew two sizes Why, too big. Uh, I'm yeah. just like, ah, oh, I'm just like, oh. I have to point out. The energy is palpable. The glasses that Gorilla and Bobby were wearing, they were just classic perfection. I don't have a description. Were they on like here. the big, the big like? I just have written Monsoon down. had his big ones with the bifocals, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm but sure. they were they were just they both had similar glasses and. I'll have to Google and see if I can find a picture of it. But yeah, yeah I mean, Monsoon it was always so much has that. The, I has their, down. The their glasses are epic. They're beautiful glasses. Bobby is. I feel like, you know, he doesn't. He wears is typically wearing glasses less often than he is. Let's I don't know. See. But for Gorilla, like the glasses are part of the whole vibe. Yeah, so they're wearing almost similar glasses there. Oh, yeah. He's got the big blue ones. I love Gorilla so yeah. We then get an ad for WrestleMania 10. Oh, my gosh. We're going back to Madison Square Garden. Tenth one again? We're already the tenth one. JR then sends us to a video package. And we see on an episode of Superstars where Ludwig Borga with a chair shot across the back of Tatanka then pins him for the Native Americans' first loss. <gasps> WF. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. Yoko um, then comes down to Bonsai's splash on Tatanka, which brings out Lex Luger, only for Quebecer Jock to run out as well to take out Lex from behind. We then move forward two weeks to another episode of Superstars, where Luger and the Steiners are in the ring, where they announce their fourth team member, and it's the Undertaker. LOL, Taker's flag, cape. He like opens, it's like the lining of his jacket is an American flag. It's very funny. They reminded me of when Jerry buys the jacket, like the suede jacket on Seinfeld, and the line inside liner is pink, and he's like, eh, whatever, who cares? And then he tries to wear it inside out, and Elaine's dad is like, you're not walking down the street with me like that, and then it ruins his jacket. The dead man speaks, let freedom ring, <laughs> and let the foreign fanatics 
rest in peace. Yeah, you know what's funny is that if he did that uh, flag gimmick today, uh, it would be a Blue Lives Matter flag. <laughs> we then go to an episode of Raw where Lex hits a running forearm to knock out Quebecer Pierre and make the pin. You guys might recognize Pierre as PCO nowadays. If, oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Whatever happened to him? I remember he got kind of like a fun push a year or two ago. He was the champion in ROH, and then he lost the belt to Roosh, and ROH hasn't done anything in basically a year or so since COVID hit. We then get Jim Cornette as the spokesman for the Foreign Fanatics. He mm. says, we took out Tatanka. They went and got The Undertaker. They took out Pierre... We got crush. <laughs> Woo. Seems like a good trade-off, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so we go to our third match. The heavenly bodies of Dr. Tom Pritchard and Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey versus the Rock and Roll Express of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson for the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Championship. Hmm. Oh, and before this, Jimmy comes out and uh, introduces the team, and he says, this is such a good line. I love him so much. A team so hot, they had to come to Boston in a plain brown bag. You know, like uh, drugs or a illegal weapon. And I thought that that was very good. And um, I just like, uh, I like Jimmy and his boys. And I'm excited about our third match. We haven't seen Rock and Roll Express since Super Brawl 3. All the way back in episode 87. But the bodies attack as soon as the Express is in the ring. Tossing them back out to the floor before flipping Gibson back in from the apron. They attempt to do the same to Morton, but he ends up slingshotting the bodies out to the floor. Followed by a tope suicida. Del Rey goes for a back body drop, only for Gibson to float over. Hitting up hip toss and a head scissors. Followed by a double team back elbow. Pritchard and Morton take over with Dr. Tom trying to fire up the crowd, but they have no clue who these four guys are. <laughs> That's a shame. I mean, I can understand being like, all right, heavenly bodies, but they're obviously very uh, electric, but it's like, fucking Rock and Roll Express, you freaks. Boston's in the North. They didn't really watch the Southern wrestling, yep. which is what these two teams are really known for. I know. And they This is all I want. Really I want every show to be just like... This a match like this? Yeah, they had no real build-up for this match, as far as I remember. No, this is like, they wanted, they wanted at this point in time, they wanted to use Jim Cornette, and Jim Cornette was like, hey, that's cool, but... They wanted Cornette, and Cornette was like, well, then give me a, give me a showcase yeah, for let, let me have a Let me have a Smoky Mountain match or whatever, because he knows that Smoky Mountain is a small thing, but it's not like these guys are going to go out there and have a stinker. It's no, not like he's not. like, hey, I'm going to bring Eric Watts and Dan Spivey to have a singles <laughs> match. For the Smoky Mountain, uh, you know, douchebag title, like it's like no, these guys are you know the Rock and Roll fucking Express, and then uh, the Heavenly Bodies who can more than keep up. Ricky hip tosses both bodies multiple times, then moves out of the way of a super kick double axe handle combo from the bodies for them to hit each other. The Express monkey flip both bodies, followed by atomic drops into each other, and rowing the boat of both men. I love the story that the rock and roll are just more in sync than Jim Cornette's new team. It's like, oh, like these guys don't even have to. That's that's what I got out of it. Was like, oh, they're just 
they've been doing it longer and they're more in sync with each other as a tag team than you guys are. You're good, but you're not uh, rock and roll good yet. But maybe I was reading into it too much because I love it. Yeah, the robot thing was... I don't know if I've seen that before. Oh, really? It was very creative. The Express then isolate Pritchard, working his leg, making sure to knock Gigolo off the apron every now and then. Keep him down. Doc finally escapes with a rake of the eyes, tagging in Del Rey, only for him to run right into an armbar. Gigolo tosses Morton off hard into the corner, but Gibson is there to absorb the blow. I love that spot. (laughs) Ricky then with an Irish whip, which Pritchard tries the same thing. So Morton boomerangs the whip back to the original corner. The Express with an Irish whip to send the bodies into each other, but they stop in time to avoid, only for the Rock and Roll Express to hit them with a double noggin knocker, sending them out to the floor to regroup. Dr. Tom comes back in the ring, catches Ricky telegraphing a back body drop, so he hits a doctor bomb for a two count. Oh, that sit-out power bomb. So good. Pritchard with a body slam, back body drops Del Rey on top of Morton for a two count. Doc tosses Ricky to the outside, allowing Gigolo to hit an aside moonsault to the outside. Oh, it's a huge, huge moonsault. Before rolling Morton back in for a near fall. Back in Pritchard with a power slam for a two count. Del Rey with a vertical suplex. Knee drops. The bodies hit a combo side slam neck breaker combo. Kind of like a horizontal heart attack. Yeah. Nice. God, I love this shit so much. And that gets a near fall. Doc with the vertical suplex. Gigolo comes off the top rope with a leg drop. While Pritchard held Ricky up for the pin. And no! Morton kicks out. Del Rey goes for a powerbomb. Only for Ricky to reverse with a hurricanrana. Followed by Morton cradling up Pritchard for two. Gigolo hits a moonsault press. Making the cover. Only for Gibson to make the save. The bodies go for a double back body drop, but Ricky is able to counter into a double DDT. Makes his way to the corner for the hot tag. Robert's in with right hands. Back body drop on Del Rey. Insiguri on Doc. All four men are in now, where Morton grabs Gigolo with an O'Connor roll, only to be grabbed by Pritchard and thrown over the top rope. Gibson thanks the Express have won by DQ, because that's still a rule. Smoky Mountain Wrestling. There goes Bill Watts style, baby. But this match is sanctioned by the WWF. So the ref tells him to fight on. And he goes to get Dr. Tom out of the ring. After Pritchard tosses Robert from the ring. Ricky comes flying in off screen onto Del Rey with a crossbody. Makes the cover. But there's no ref. But he's not even the legal man. (laughs) No. So we get the visible pin. So Pritchard comes in to break it up. The Express then surprised Doc with a double drop kick for the pin. And no! Pritchard kicks out as Morton knocks Cornette off the apron. Jim tosses his racket up to Gigolo, who's up on the top rope. He comes off onto Gibson while the ref is getting Ricky back to his corner, which allows Dr. Tom to roll on top for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And new! Smoky Mountain Tag Team Champions, the Heavenly Bodies, in an incredible match where they won being little shits. Mm -hmm. How do you have an awesome match on a 
pay-per-view, you invite two teams that aren't in your company and let them show these yeah. world-class professionals what the fuck they're supposed to actually do. You bring Corny in, let, it, let his boys do their thing. Oh, man. Can we just do a, a series that's just Smoky Mountain? <laughs> it's probably a lot of stuff that's uh, just people getting, you know, jobbers getting smashed every week, but hey, I don't know. I, if, yeah. it, if it looks good and is a, a fun watch, then why one, not? One of these days, maybe I'm gonna do my. I'll, I'll use my um, network subscription for good, and I will go deep on Smoky. Maybe maybe bad. Maybe I won't like it. Did they have uh, that on the network? Yeah, they have a Smoky Mountain channel. Some, uh-huh. yeah. I don't know how much of it they have, but there's definitely a good amount of episodes. Hmm. We then go to a video package. We see Bam Bam and Luna Vachon in the ring. Bam celebrating on an episode of Superstars when Doink the Clown would show up on the screen. Doink says he knows about Bigelow's team, but then announces his team as another Doink shows up on the screen. Oh my gosh. And then another Doink. And finally, another Doink. Doink, Doink, Doink. Doink. We then go to the back with Todd Pettengill where Bam Bam's team is feasting on a huge turkey. It's gross. They're just like, it's they're being gross on purpose, and uh, you can they like try to pass it off to Luna, and you can tell she's just like this is disgusting. <laughs> she's like trying to trying to stay in character, but it's too gross. Yeah, it's fun. It's That's like, very funny. It's very nasty. Bigelow says it doesn't matter how many doinks there are, we're gonna take care of them. So we go to our fourth match, Team Bam Bam of Bam Bam Bigelow, the Bastion Booger, and the Head Shrinkers. Of Samu and Fatu, with Luna Vachon and Afa, versus the four Doinks of the Doink Whackers of Luke Doink and Butch Doink and Doinks on a Mission of Mabel Doink and Mo Doink with Oscar Doink. Who's Oscar Doink? Manager Doink. Oh yeah, they do have a manager. Or MC yeah. Doink. Yeah, or MC, you M- call MC Doink. Very funny. <laughs> Dom's manager for the night. <laughs> Dom. God damn it. We get Vince and Bobby back at the announce table. Bobby's going to pick Booger to win. Superstar so, of the year. <laughs> Bobby's picking Booger, huh? Mm-hmm. We haven't seen the Doink Whackers since Royal Rumble 92. That was all the way back in episode 66. And then your next question is, there was four Doinks on the screen. Why do we have the Doink Whackers and Doinks on a mission in this match? Yes. The original Doink, a.k.a. Matt Bourne, had been fired for issues. So they decided to put he these four... He tried to four... stab Arn Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> fired him for that, but brought in Ray Combs, huh? As a, a special guest for the show. Sure. Perfect sense. Maybe so then... he was hard to handle on uh, the, 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 the Bastion Sugar. <laughs> I mean, there was more issues. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Doing... He can't Matt only Bourne get fired didn't for want to turn face, also. Understandable. That's reason. That would have been a better... Uh, yeah, we would have liked... So there's creative that. issues along with other issues that... Mm-hmm. Uh, so WWF decided to put these four dressed up as Doink. We get Booger knocking down Luke, hits a splash, and Fatu is offering Bastion some banana, so he walks away, allowing Luke to bite his butt. Butch then pokes his eyes from the apron, and Luke follows up with a stomp of his foot. So Booger doesn't know what hurts. 
Samu tags in and stomps Luke down, turns his attention to the other doinks, who hand him a balloon, which he bites, and it was a water balloon. So it surprises him, and he falls backwards into Luke. Wait, he held a balloon and didn't realize it was full of water? Well, he's a Samoan savage, you know? They don't I've know never seen those things before. He falls backward into Luke, <laughs> who rolls him up for the pin, and Samu is eliminated. Uh, whoop, there it is. Fatu comes in to receive a headbutt from Luke to no avail, so the head shrinker hits a vertical suplex and a falling headbutt. Booger's back in with a leg drop. Bigelow with a headbutt, chokes. Fatu joins in with the chokes as well, before Bastion comes back in with a body slam and takes Luke on a trip to the Batcave, where he decides not to pin and grabs the banana. Yeah, I know, it's just so gross. When do we get the we want doink chant? When everybody realizes the doink's not here. Because it happens. Booger goes for another trip to the Batcave, but Mabel has moved Luke out of the way. The Bushwhackers then hit the battering ram to set up a Mabel leg drop for the pin. And Bastion Booger is eliminated. Bye-bye, Booger. Fatu comes in with a turkey leg, using it across the face of Luke. Mo then brings a scooter into the ring... Riding it around while Fatu is still beating on Luke. It's crazy that this is right after an incredible tag match. <laughs> Bam Bam comes in <laughs> and insegurities. It's like everything Mo. that wrestling should be, and then everything that wrestling like ends up being in the future. <laughs> Bam Bam. I'm upset now. <laughs> Bam Bam comes in and insegurities Mo off the scooter. And then slams the vehicle to the outside of the ring. Mo was asking for it. Bam Bam doesn't ride scooters and doesn't put up with his chicanery. Fatu with a side slam on Mo climbs to the top rope, jumping over Bigelow to deliver a splash. Makes the cover, but then is distracted by the banana peel. Because Butch... I wasn't there to handle the bananas. Butch brings a bucket into the ring, faking Fatu out by with nothing in it. Like trying to throw, like acting like he's gonna throw water at him. Yeah. But the head shrinker falls backwards, and Butch makes the cover for the pin, and Fatu is eliminated. Damn bananas! It's four doinks versus Bam Bam, but Bigelow don't care, dumping everyone out to the floor except for Mabel, because you know he's big. Uh, yeah, Mabel is probably bigger than Bam Bam. Oh yeah, definitely bigger. By probably, I mean definitely. Bam Bam keeps trying to take him down, but doesn't until Mabel misses an avalanche splash, followed by a jumping shoulder block. Luke jumps back in the ring, only to be power slammed, and Bigelow makes the cover, but Butch has thrown a bucket full of glitter onto Luna, which distracts Bam Bam. Mo with an Irish whipped aided corner splash, followed by a Mabel splash. Everyone then dog piles on top of Bigelow for the pin... And yeah, the win. win. Doink pile. That's true. I, <laughs> I didn't miss that one. Egregious. An egregious mistake. So after I watched this match, I texted you guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the funniest or the worst match I have ever seen WWF put on. Um, it is one of those things where like it's not the right place for it. After we just saw like a barn burner. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like you, this should probably be before your barn burner. 
Let's see. That maybe lighten the mood after you went 30 minutes with uh, with the knights of fucking. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah the, the knights who lost after. their smile, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then we can bring it with some levity, and then we can get the fucking the barn burner, yeah. uh, like the, the the kind of tag match we all want to see all the time. I don't know if I would consider it the funniest, just because I found it more stupid than or just most funny. most fun, I guess. I guess yeah. yeah, like uh, lighthearted, bizarre. Yeah. So just like. There's bananas. Uh-huh. There's Mo scooter in on a scooter while they're still we wrestling the bucket, in the it's ring. Not a, it's not yeah. a confetti bucket, is it? A water Sabu balloon. Confused by a water balloon. Yeah. We get buckets of glitter. I was like, there was just so much stuff, and I had a good time watching this match. Yeah, I think that it may. It's stupid. Yeah, I get it. But I had fun watching I think had it. they had a different team in there other than the Bushwhackers, because you add the Bushwhackers in, and it immediately. I lose my interest. <laughs> you know, I watched it just because, but... I mean, yeah, it's part of the show. I'm trying to think of, you know, throw the fucking... What are they called? The smoking guns, you know? Oh, yeah, where the smoking guns been? Remember when they tried to put them over and then didn't the do anything? doinking guns or whatever They're come out there in their show. place. Oh, yeah, they show up. They show up. Yeah. Do that? Yeah. You have, to, you have to actually look for them, but they're there. Any, any other team in there with doink on a mission, I think I would have like the match more but you threw the bushwhackers in there and i in, in 1993 and 2021 i'm i'm too old for the bushwhackers <laughs> can you make sense of this line for me where bobby Heenan says uh this looks like a match chief j strongbow should have been in i mean chief j strongbow is i don't know why he would be did in this he match. wear war paint yeah i mean he was an, he was an yeah. indian so i mean that's the only thing i can think of anyway it's just Maybe. Because yeah, they like, all had painted he, faces. Like, was he the? Was he like a? He was basically think was, think Wahoo. Yeah, yeah. And like, he's basically but, Wahoo. Oh, like the mid card that always loses. So is that what they're talking about? No, Bam Chief Man? Strongbow was a pretty big name, pretty big draw. Yeah, yeah, but like it went on for a, continued. I mean, we never we haven't watched any Strongbow. I don't no. believe we saw some Wahoo or he's older than what we yeah. than what we watched. I, remember, is he I was just trying to figure out exactly or what that storyline relative. Maybe. So post match, the new Doink, who we've who we've seen because obviously the old Doink is no longer with us. That new Doink is not dead. No, just no longer. Just no longer in the WWF. WWF. Fired. Uh, but we have seen the person who plays the new Doink uh, before as Sergeant Kruger, all the way back at Starcade nineteen ninety episode sixty one. He would appear on the big screen to taunt Bam Bam and Luna some more as they're walking back to the. Back. We want Doink. And this is where the we want Doink. Yeah, we're crazy for Doink. We then go to the back and Todd Pettengill is there with the foreign fanatics. And Cornette, as their spokesperson, gives us this line. We're going to carve up four turkeys this Thanksgiving Eve. They are a unit. So how do you take a man out? You can go for the mind, heart, or soul. The heart is the Steiner's. They have a never-say-die attitude. But if you give a blow to the heart, it can be devastating. The mind is the undertaker. But if you take away a man's mind, he is confused, disoriented, and you can easily take him out. And then there's the soul, and that is Lex Luger. The embodiment of the American dream. Baby. The spirit to succeed. Victory against the odds. When you capture a man's soul, 
then you've defeated him once and for all. Woo! Corny with the fire-ass promo. Yep. I love him so much. So goddamn much. That's why I feel like I need to go on a Smoky Mountain Warpath. <laughs> because so, so full of gold. Yeah. Maybe for uh, our first Smoky Mountain show, I'll make you know, little mini corn dogs and we can call them cornets. Mm, yes. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. We can dip them in uh, mayo. <laughs> we then go to our fifth match. The foreign fornatics of Ludwig Borga, Quebecer Jacques, Crush, and Yokozuna with Jim Cornette, Mr. Fuji, and Johnny Polo versus the All-Americans of Undertaker. The Steiner Brothers, Rick and Scott, and Lex Luger. With Paul Bear. That's right. <laughs> I got you, buddy. Last time we saw Johnny Polo was all the way back at Beach Blast 92 as Scotty Flamingo. Raven. And that was episode 70. Gosh, I forgot about Scotty Flamingo. That was fun. Yeah. I mean, what do you have, like three matches? Yeah, two say two he, or three matches? He won the... He had that boxing match. He won the crew, the Dude, light heavyweight, heavyweight belt. Oh yeah, he had the boxing match with uh, Johnny B. Bad, right? That's right yeah, with yeah. the the water soaked glove. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only two matches I saw. This <laughs> fuck the water soaked glove. I get it, but it's still stupid. We also haven't seen Jacques since he was the Mountie at WrestleMania Eight back in episode sixty eight. I like it better when he's a Rougeau. So what exactly is a Quebecer? Is it just somebody from Quebec? Or is... I believe that's all it that is. is. Okay. All it is. It's just like, sure. yeah, it's just like, you know, we're Oklahomans or Okey. yeah, New Yorkers being Yankees or people from New Zealand being Kiwis. I think it's just, you know, just Quebecer. You're from Quebec. Just making sure I wasn't missing something. Jacques offers a handshake to Scott to begin, only for Steiner to... Flip the bird before hitting a belly-to-belly suplex for a two-count. Wait, Coco's here? Rick tags in, which causes Jacques to run away to tag in Yokozuna, who comes in with judo chops, only for Rick to deliver several Steiner lines and a jumping shoulder block to send Zuna out to the floor. Borgo with some stiff shots. Love seeing Rick put Yokozuna on the floor. Love seeing Rick do anything. Yeah, and watching... I just... Yoko's one of those guys that... You can watch him time and time again and still forget just how awesome he was at doing stuff. Just as simple as falling out of the ring, watching a 550, 600-pound man be shoulder-tackled by Rick Steiner, and just that quick, fast flip through the I mean, the, every the time fall, we watch a Yoko show, he's gained 50 right pounds. I think he was 550 last time, so 600 probably about right here. Yep. Uh, but even as a kid, I like at this point in time, I was not... A wrestling fan, but you'd always catch this stuff like after Saturday morning cartoons, like the catch-up shows and stuff. And even my friend, that like my best friend, wasn't wrestling fan either. But like we still know who Yokozuna was because he was fucking huge. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. a big fat motherfucker, and like it's like oh, like I even knew who he was even though I wasn't paying attention to the product. I was a small child, but like yeah. hindsight, I wish I would have been more into the product. Yeah, big dude that. Can fall out of the ring and then just bounce right back up onto the turnbuckle. The a guy that did. big, yeah. Yeah, that it's was. It's not Bam Bam. Impressive. Bam Bam's uh, taught. Yokozuna is not taught. He no. does not look athletic. Whereas Bam Bam and like Vader, big guys, but they look athletic. They look like they work out. Whereas Yokozuna, 
looks like a sumo wrestler, hence the name. Yeah. Why haven't we seen Coco beware? Because he's stuck somewhere inside of Yoko after their last match. <laughs> Aww. Borger with some stiff shots before tossing Rick to the floor, only for Steiner to come back in off the top rope with a double axe handle for a two count. Ludwig hits a body slam, goes for an elbow drop, only for Rick to move and head to the top rope himself. Coming off with a crossbody, only for Borger the catchy and deliver a power slam for the pin. And Rick Steiner is eliminated. Ah, uh, poor Ricky. I just, I don't know how to feel about Rick Steiner going out quicker than an unknown heart or a masked knight. It just I doesn't mean, make sense to me. The, this is the, the big boy match with all the big boys. I love Scott Steiner, but Rick Steiner is, uh, holds, is special in my heart. I always get bummed out that he never quite... Rick Steiner. People don't... Everybody knows who Scott Steiner is. If I said Rick Steiner, someone would be like, you mean Scott Steiner? Like, if somebody watched wrestling in, like, 1999, 98, like, a friend of mine, when it, wrestling Attitude Era, Monday Night mm-hmm. Wars, that's they'd be like, oh, you mean Scott Steiner? And I'd be like, no, no Rick. Nope. He's my favorite. Jacques back in with Scott, in which Steiner press slams the Quebecer into Crush, who had come into the ring. But the Hawaiian catches Jacques and sets him down. Crush wants a test of strength, but gets a cheap shot in, tossing Scott to the ropes, only to telegraph a back body drop, allowing Steiner to hit a tiger driver. Vince says that Randy Savage has been spotted in the building once again, as Scott hits a Steiner line on Crush. Also, like, it's one thing to telegraph a uh, back drop to anybody, but you can't be telegraphing a backdrop to Scott Steiner, buddy. <laughs> You're going to get Tiger Driver. The Lion hits a roundhouse kick to slow Scott down when Macho Man is starting him to make his way down to the ring. What? With about 20 security guards and the smoking guns helping keep him back. Oh, yeah. The smoking guns are just a hired security for the show. Crush press slams Steiner over the ropes and to the floor while security gets Savage to the back. The Hawaiian stays on the attack with a leg drop, headbutt, working the leg, when Macho Man again comes running out of the back down the aisle. We've all seen Macho with his sunglasses off. Those eyes are crazy (laughs) 24-7. You can't, you know, he's always got the energy of a man who just smoked PCP. You're not holding this boy back. No, it's like he just... A man possessed. (sighs) Caught his wife cheating on him with another man. He didn't even catch him. He just had that thought cross his mind and just started to believe it. <laughs> He's thinking of Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Randy coming out distracts Crush once again, allowing Steiner to t- hit a drop kick to send him out to the floor. The Hawaiian says enough with this match and goes to brawl with Savage in the aisle, where he is counted out to be eliminated. Back in the ring, Scott is being beaten down in the opponent's corner when Crush comes back to the ring. But the refs are like, dude, you're out of here. Yeah, game over, buddy. Jacques starting to work the back of Steiner, hits a leaping back elbow, followed by a pile driver for a two count. Scott with a knee to the gut, and he press slams the Quebecer before making the crawl for the hot tag. Lex body slams Jacques, goes up to the second rope for an elbow drop to get the pin. And Jacques is eliminated. Borger comes in and says he wants Luger. But Steiner stays in. Only for Ludwig to deliver some right hands, a clothesline, a 
corner splash and another clothesline. This is around the time that Bobby claims Borga is the wrestler of the 90s. Oh my gosh, Bobby. <laughs> Borga goes up to the top, only for Scott to meet him up there to deliver a superplex for a near fall, as Yokozuna would break the pin up. Ludwig would roll out of the ring, while Zuna would take over in the inside with a body slam and goes for an elbow drop, only for Steiner to move. Scott tosses Yoko to the ropes and attempts a Frankensteiner. <laughs> but Zuna holds onto the ropes, causing Steiner to fall to the mat. Zuna then hits a leg drop for the pin. And Scott Steiner is eliminated. You know what a thought I had while watching this? There's no way that Scott Steiner could have ever hit a Frankensteiner on Yoko <laughs> well, Zuna. I'm just yeah, wondering. Obviously. I mean, Yoko can do some pretty amazing things. Maybe 100 pounds ago, maybe. Flip. 130. 40 pounds ago. Have you seen the last, like, 15 Frankensteiners (laughs) that Scott Steiner's given? Yeah. Yeah. Steiner would have fallen on his neck, and Yokozuna would have fallen on Steiner and broken his neck. Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad we didn't live that reality. No. Once they uh, left WCW, or shit, once 1991 passed, I think he couldn't do a a full-on Frankensteiner anymore. Beefy boy. Yeah. No, my thought was that Ludwig Borga... We have seen previously on this podcast as Tony Halme in New name. Japan, pro wrestling. He's here to be this like big badass Russian, right? Mm-hmm. He was so much nastier and scarier in the one match we saw him, or maybe two matches we watched of him in New Japan. Like he just doesn't have the like energy, or like he just seems like another big guy in a WWE, like a new big guy in WWF. Like, big as in size, not rocket strapped to him or anything like that. But, like, he doesn't have the curiosity, the energy, the, like, holy shit, look at this shoot badass, like, pre-Brock vibes that he did in, when we watched that New Japan stuff. And here I'm like, I wanted that energy. Mm-hmm. Like, we had, like, the one cool promo thing of mm-hmm. him being yeah. cool and badass. But in the ring, it just seems like he's fucking doing... Just, just He's feels, just doing he, standard WWF big man. He, yeah, he just stuff. feels lazy. There's no intensity or anything like that. It's weird. The big bore guy. I mean, I granted he's probably asked to. Is that bore guy or bored? Yeah, exactly. I just said bore guy. Because <laughs> I was ex- not excited, but I was like, oh, nah. neat. Because I remember watching him in that New Japan match and be like, Jesus Christ, this yeah. is scary. It's like he was scary in the way that. Vader's shoot punches are scary, where he's like battering people's heads around, and you're like, "Dude, you're not supposed to hit Sting like that." <laughs> like maybe a maybe a Cactus Jack, but you can't you can't break Sting's nose, sir. No, like when this match started, some of the first few punches and you know takedowns that he did, you know he has a good you know intensity to him that is unlike the others that are in the ring, and it could just be because I've watched all of them wrestle over and over and over for the years, so his yeah. were the most precious of the moves because he had so few matches that I saw, but yeah, it just, it didn't have that same Tony feel to it that it yeah. did in Japan. It's still a little a little sharper edge than Crush, but not much. Oh yeah, I mean, I take Borga in a, you know, a triple, I was going to say triple threat, but you know, <laughs> we don't in, in a WrestleMania tournament, you know, in, you know, Savage style where he's got four matches in one night, I take that over watching a crush match, you know, just a single crush <laughs> oh, match. Oh, okay. Really burying Crusher over here. Hate him. Lex and Yogo stare each other down until Zuna goes low with a kick and starts choking Luger. Body slam and goes for a splash, only for Lex to avoid, 
firing up with clotheslines that don't phase Yokozuna, but the one that Yoko gives knocks Luger down. Borga and Zuna continue to work over Lex until Yokozuna misses a corner splash, allowing Luger to make the hot tag. Undertaker's in with a jumping DDT on Yoko. Right hands, clotheslines, goes for the jumping clothesline, only for Ludwig to hit him from the apron, allowing Zuna to come from behind with the belly-to-belly suplex. But the dead man sits up. Yokozuna knocks him down again. As he tries to sit up, once more, Del- Yoko delivers a leg drop, drags him over to the corner, and hits the bonsai drop. Bonsai! Yokozuna then goes up for a second one, but Taker sits up, causing Zuna to hit the mat. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it. Undertaker with leaping clotheslines, so Yokozuna rolls to the floor with the dead man close behind, only for Yoko to slam Taker's head into the steel steps which Undertaker no-sells, freaking Zuna out and getting his head slammed himself. What is the Undertaker? Samoan? (laughs) Now, the entire time they've been outside, the ref has been counting. So these two men are counted out to be eliminated. Back in the ring, Borga drags Lex to the middle of the ring as he was still down from the earlier beatdown, hitting more elbow drops, a side slam for a two-count. Vertical suplex, power slam, multiple clotheslines from Ludwig for a near fall. Borga goes for another suplex, only for Luger to block and reverse before they clothesline each other for the double KO. Too many arrogant pin attempts. In I know, Borga. not hooking the leg. I, I said do love... that word so many times in that little spot too. <laughs> arrogant pin attempts, arrogant pin attempts. I love All the arrogance. Love just... the stalling suplex on Lex though. Yes. I just kept waiting for Rick Martel to run down and... Talk about gimmick infringement or something with all the arrogance, <laughs> arrogance references. Right, arrogance in the air. Cornette and Polo both jump on the apron to distract the ref, allowing Fuji to sneak into the ring and hand a wooden pail to Ludwig, who smashes it across Lex's head, makes the cover for the pin, and no! Luger kicks out. Not even the sumo power water bucket could take a man down. Damn it. Lex begins to fire up with right hands, a shot to the gut, DDT, back elbow for a two count, before hitting a power slam and the running forearm for the pin and, and the, the win. win. It's that's the, you know why the forearm, forearm, forearm was so um, impactful? Because it's a, a true value, aces, aces the place elbow. Yeah, there's, all, there's some metal in that elbow. That's guy. right. I don't know if you remember this. Titanium or something. Mm-hmm. Post-match. Lex is waving the American flag as snow begins to fall from the ceiling. And Santa Claus comes down to the ring to celebrate with Luger as Vince says his goodbyes. Whoa, that was lame. Yep. So I got two notes here for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This would be the last time we ever see Ludwig Borga. Uh, But he's the wrestler of the 90s. Guess not. Sorry, Bobby, Bobby probably knew, and that was a little, probably a little joke for himself, um, for us now. And this would also be Bobby Heenan's final pay-per-view in the WWF for about eight years, as Gorilla Monsoon would throw him and his belongings out to the street on an episode of Raw. Yeah, I remember that episode. Oh, I don't know about this. Basically, Bobby wanted to have a memorable 
yeah, ending yeah. to his yeah. term. Yeah, so yeah. As, like, before he goes to the great Possumania in the sky. Yep. It's it's like uh, the song once said, goodbye doesn't mean forever. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Gorilla doing it makes it... Exactly. Yeah. Oh, jeez, jeez, guys. I mean, it's not like they put him in a crate and, you know, shipped him off to Abu Dhabi or something. <laughs> or whatever they did with the Spirit Squad. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, so I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Survivor Series 1993? Entertaining show? Oh, each, match, each match does its own thing. They're not like... None of them are milk toast, but is milk toast good or bad? I can't remember. It means bland. bland. Okay, yeah. making sure. None of them like they all have their own. It's not as as dry as some previous Survivor shows where it's like every match is just like okay, heels and blah blah. blah. Each one kind of has their own angle, but the Santa really took it out at the end. It was just like it just like sucked the air out of the room. If there if it was just like, oh, it didn't, it didn't have me fucking pumped for SummerSlam or whatever the fuck, or WrestleMania. I was just like, oh, you should let me leave high here. Yeah. And you're the snow and the Santa is just like, come on. Um, Unless like Santa came out, Santa pulled off his beard and Santa was doink. There you and go. then attacked Lex Luger. Yes. Then, and then I would have been pumped because, like, it's like well, at least that's perfect. at least that's wild and it's funny and it subverts it. But it, they're just doing like the like this like lame feel good thing that is just like pandering that yeah. like. I mean, like, they did that already. Makes, makes my heart fall. They did the last year with Brett. Yeah. 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 And it felt even weirder. Than, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least I was like ready for it this time. Yeah. But then, yeah, I think what made it worse this time is you had Lex in there with his. Fake America spirit, you know, trying to be Hulk Hogan, and then you've got the, the snow falling and the Santa and the yeah. I just, mean, you know, at least Hogan uh, has charisma. Like Hogan would have like fucking like danced and like flexed oh, yeah. with like Santa Claus, and we would have been like it would have been memorable. He never would have put Santa Claus in the ring with you throw Hogan because he wouldn't, in there, he wouldn't allow it. Worked. But Lex is just like whatever. But Lex is in there. It would have worked. Lex is Lex, just a, no. a vacuum of charisma anyway. So it's just like makes it even lamer whereas like you said if it was hogan or cena or somebody that could have fun with it if they were willing to have the fun because if they weren't willing to have the fun that wouldn't happen whereas lex is just here and knows that he doesn't want to be it started off kind of hot yeah Yeah, the first match i think i like the first match first match is my second favorite match it just kind of went from there uh with the exception being the heavenly bodies yeah, Heavenly Bodies Rock and Roll Express. That one was a, yeah. a nice little midway treat. Yes. Um, the last then... match isn't terrible, but it like it just does the thing where everything kind of falls. There's no like shocking eliminations. It just kind of they toss Rick Steiner Follows out and the every, formula. Yeah, it does the it does the thing where everybody like kind of stays safe in a boring way mm-hmm. and the best thing about the last match is probably Corny's promo before it. Where it like really gets you stoked for it and then they kinda take it just kinda seems like by the numbers in a weird way. 
I mean, I think this show did more to excite me for stuff that's going to happen more than it did than what actually happened on the show. Because if you look at it, like, Owen and Brett... Oh, that was great. That starts I would say the the biggest problem with the show is that that match was 30 minutes, and it should have been, like, 18. And then... And 18 might have been long. Yoko and Undertaker, they, they start... A feud here yeah. as well. So both those things, I'm like, yes, I, I, I want to see both of those things. Of course, so yes. Hopefully we'll see those soon enough. Good, Where, where's the smart marks at? Alright, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? Owen Hart's pissed off performance is uh, great. The tag match is... Like I've said it, and I'll say it again, the kind of shit that I want to see all the time. Yep. If, I, if I can't have, like, you know, Ric Flair versus Steamboat and Ric Flair versus Terry Funk in a singles match on the show, at least give me a tag match of this quality. Yes. If I can't have, you know, Vader versus Cactus Jack or a Paul Orndorff, Rick Rude, or something like that, if I'm not going to get a singles match of like that potential quality then i need a tag match that fucking delivers like a motherfucker and in a perfect world we get both agreed yeah tag match for me was the the match of the night and they weren't even signed to the wwf Uh -uh. imagine that somebody comes in that doesn't wrestle the style or following the the program and we get some we get some real ass shit real ass wrestling this is not sports entertainment. I mean, it, yeah. it obviously is technically sports entertainment. It's very, very entertaining. It's more entertaining than everything else on the show. But it's there's no gimmick here. The gimmick is that it's a tag match. Yep. Gimmick is, you don't know us, but we're going to show you what wrestling is supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I said it earlier, the Doinks match, <laughs> I know it's, it's I dumb. I love that you love it. I, love I know it's love dumb. It. I'm happy that you love it. But I enjoyed it. I I just I was laughing the entire time. Yeah. I was taking notes on the, that match. <laughs> I think I did like, more of a head scratch. It's so stupid that I was just like, okay, I, I'm I'm in it. You know what? It's better than it's better than a bushwhackers men on a mission versus the other team if, if if, they, without the doink thing. Think yeah, it's it was better like, than that. If they do that as a straight up match mm-hmm. instead of all the fun, we're sitting here going. Like even if it's twelve minutes, we're still going. Oh my god, this is five minutes too long. Yeah. If they if they play it straight, but, but yeah. because they did all the wacky stuff in it, it made it somewhat enjoyable. I'm yes, not, I'm not saying it's the best thing in the world. No, but I think it's I, I think it's enjoyable. I think that I probably potentially would have enjoyed it more if it wasn't after the best match on the show. Yeah, that's all. I think that maybe if it would like lightened the air after. The too long but that's, part I, match. I mean, like literally, that's the place they always put the piss match. Is yeah. right before the main event, and uh-huh. so that's why they put it there. I know. If, if they, I, I don't think Vince. I mean, literally, the reason Vince and Bobby didn't call that match is because Vince didn't give a shit about the Smoky Mountain Wrestling match. That's yeah. why it was like, I'll let these two guys who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jr. knows Southern wrestling better than I do. You know, that's basically why Jr. And it was probably well. better for that. For us as oh, well. Oh, agreed. Uh, but yeah. like that match doesn't matter who calls that match. That was 
a good match. No one's going to look at that and be like, yo, that sucked, no matter who called it. Yeah, it would have been just as good with no commentary, commentary at all. <laughs> yeah, every because you you understood everything that happened. There was no they, told they did the story what wrestling needing explanation. To, what wrestling should do. <clears throat> the commentary should only be dragging you deeper into it. How about most disappointing? Uh, in hindsight, thirty minutes. In hindsight, it's that it was Sean and not Jerry, which is a weird thing to say because Sean is obviously the better wrestler, but. I think that Jerry would have potentially got more out of the enjoy, like pulled more enjoyment out of oh, yeah. this match. Of course, I mean, Jerry of course he probably the, would have. It was probably his idea. Yeah, Jerry started the storyline. You know, Sean got thrown in a few days before the pay per view to. Which fill means in. that because they threw him in there, they <clears> should have made it shorter because of that. Yeah. And instead, uh, apparently they, they wanted to make it longer and give Keith more, or Keith wanted more stuff to do with Bruce or one of them. I, I don't know. know yeah. But like the, I, I think that's the biggest issue with the match is that literally they let Keith and Bruce like do way more yeah. than they ever should have done. Owen for, didn't have for two much guys in the match. that I don't think we ever see them again. Yeah, they just shaved. If they shaved ten minutes off, then that match probably would have been great. But instead, it was a good idea. Yeah, with a great payoff. Like I said, the payoff is so good that you forget how long it was. Which is a huge compliment. It, it's literally, since Lawler's not there, it's literally a 30-minute match to set up an angle. Yes. That, that's what it is. And a 20-minute match would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. And we could have, and it could have been a thing where we, it could have been our second favorite match, potentially. If, if you shave 10 minutes off. Very possibly. Anything else disappointing? <sighs> Santa took it out of me, but fucking whatever. We know where we're at. We're on the Lex Express, baby. Yeah. I mean, it's continued on with the Lex Express, the just fake All-American. Trying to make him the new Hogan. Yeah. I. That was one of the, the things that I hated most about his character in WWF, the entire run that he was there. Wish was... Sheik would have showed up and broke his leg. Right? He <laughs> <laughs> might still be able to cameo him. <laughs> Bring yeah. back Colonel Mustafa for you know, a day. Just have mm-hmm. him run in. How about best performer of the night? That's a toss-up. I mean... Like, outside of the tag match, because all four of those guys are basically working as a unit, like yeah, a great I mean, tag match. Smoky Mountain should would be the best be, performer. Be, five, be all five of them, be the Smoky Mountain crew. But So Jim Cornette, because he had the best promo, and then he also probably laid out that match. Yeah. Yes, and he had the people that could do it and knew how to do it with him. Outside of... That, I might give it to Owen just because he sold how pissed he was so much better than And his whiny voice is like... <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't even have to practice when I did that earlier. I just, like, that voice is just, like, stuck in my head. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, like, he didn't... I guess the performances are tied to promos here because, like, yeah, he's great for the small amount of time he is in the ring, but, like, he sells that angle where it could have been... Like, oh man, that sucks, but it felt real. Yeah. Which is what we want. Anything surprising on the show? That I liked a match with the Bushwhackers? (laughs) That's my surprising thing. I was going to say Brett's wrestling gear. Because he went for the totally opposite of what he normally does, where he's got the long pants and whatnot, and he went for like the... super short collegiate singlet type. Oh, yeah. Where, I mean, he was... He night-hearted it up. Yeah, 
I mean, hell, he like uh, like a, like a perfect singlet. Is that what he's doing here? Kind of, kind of, but shorter in the leg, like warrior uh, style, uh, where it's like even with your jump, Daisy Duke almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not like his tie, like you know. his ring gear may get a best performer nominee from me just because <laughs> it kept everything in without falling out. Anything else? I mean, the Taker second sit up was a really great moment, but like. All the guys that we know are workers did did their job here. Um, but then some you, of the knights could have been was surprising when I did a little yeah, dive on them. Yeah. The Greg Valentine, I was like, oh, uh, oh. Terry Funk was rumored to be one and up until just a day or two before the show and then was replaced by Barry Horowitz because Funk went home to check on his sick horse or something the double, like that. Double R? Yep. Yeah, okay, double R range. I was like, I can't screw this up. Who else was it? Snooka was rumored to be one. Oh, we didn't want to tell if it was Snooka. That guy's got a body that's unmistakable. And then Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane. Uh, Sir Isaac Yankum. I don't know why, sir, but Isaac Yankum, <laughs> Dr. Isaac Yankum. Heard the uh, Suicide Blonde stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. This week, the category is The Champ is Here. The Champ is Here! The Champ is Here! So I will give you a show and a championship, and you have to give me who the champion was at the end of the show. Five points with multiple choice, three points without. Are we buzzing or, or just five yeah. points flirting? Without multiple choice, three points with. Yeah, yeah. I said it backwards. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Yes, you have to buzz in. Mm-hmm. I didn't buzz in. The show is Royal Rumble 1988, and I need who the WWF Intercontinental Champion was. <laughs> Shane? The Ultimate Warrior. That is incorrect. Is it? It is 89. Royal In- Rumble 88. 88. Ah, yeah, I went too far in the future. <laughs> Brutus Bar Beefcake? No. That's too I know too who late. it is now. Beefcake is incorrect. The answer is... Honky. Oh Honky my gosh! <laughs> I mix them up because they look the same. God damn it. You guys know when I said that who I meant. That sucks. But I lost. It's fine. I don't know why I said Brutus. I know that Honky Tonk Man is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Yeah. So disappointed in both of your. <laughs> you should be. You know that you saw my mis- my mistake in my brain, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, don't they look the same? In my head, I was going, just go for the multiple choice, bro. I know, <laughs> I know, because <laughs> yeah, because I miffed it. I knew the right answer. Yeah, I said the wrong one. Because I would have given you answers that you would not have answered, Beefcake. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm because curious, that was a dumb answer. Yeah. Outside of Dunk Man, Rick Rude. Ricky Steamboat yes. and Ultimate Warrior. I knew it wasn't Steamboat or Rude, and I knew... And he gave you Warrior off, so... Yeah, I knew yeah. who it was. I just said Brutus because I had the brain fart of... I got the same stupid fucking hair. <laughs> Next week, Starcade 1993. It's not a battle ball. <laughs> That's good. Let's hope it is. A battle ball? No. Oh, it's good, good. yes. Yeah, let's yeah, hope it's good. Starcades have been... We Battle Bowls? Not so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the last bowls? couple have definitely been not good. 
it's it's been a few years since we've had a good one, so hopefully this one's this one works out for us. Um, if you like the music from this week's show, it is the theme from Survivor Series, and Luger won our main event, so we play his music "Stars and Stripes Forever" by Jim Johnston. And if you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast app. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. You can also send us some recipes, because we're going to Charlotte next week. We need some Charlotte, North Oil Carolina. Peanuts. Oil peanuts. I don't know. I thought, I thought it was a ever, Georgia thing. Uh, I've only ever had them in... He says it for a few different I've only places. ever had them in South <laughs> Carolina. <laughs> I think he just wants boiled peanuts. <laughs> no, I've only ever had them in South Carolina, so every time we go to Carolina, I have to think we're James going, Taylor and then We're going to peanuts. North Carolina. Right? Yeah. Go on and raise up, take your shirt off, swing around your head like a helicopter. I probably made that joke recently as well. <laughs> or you can also do any of those things and hit us up on our Twitter at Wrestling Histovex. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters!